Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Taylor Coppenrath, former University of Vermont big man, subscribe. So you should as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know you like that. A lot of people give Sorrentine a lot of credit and the love because of <laughs> Gus's call and that shot, which took huge, huge balls. But Taylor Coppenrath was the best player on that team. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232. Find out where the feet is and Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. for another episode taylor hey how was how was casey musgraves uh how first off how jealous are you that i was at your girl our girl casey musgraves concert last night very jealous so the thing is casey musgraves to me is one of those artists that i'm a fan of hers but i couldn't name you one song like i love casey musgraves and i think it's because of how much i love her christmas album well she as you did state to me last night she does have maybe the GOAT Christmas album. But I will say, you were way ahead of me on the Casey Musgraves bandwagon, like years ahead of me. I only came around to the Casey Musgraves bandwagon because of my girlfriend, Danielle. You've been knowing about Casey Musgraves, so I got to give you a lot of credit for that. You know, I had a blast last night. Um, she, she is just, uh, she's very naturally talented. It's effortless. Her songs are, it doesn't seem like she's trying too hard. You can, I mean, it's like studio quality in person. So it was great. And, you know, album of the year. And I can't believe that you just said that you don't know any of the songs off her album. Because if you, that, if, if you asked me to name a Casey Musgrave song right now, I'd be like, a uh, little drummer boy that she covered. That's it. <laughs> I don't even know if she did. But, butterflies. Slow burn, high horse, neon moon, rainbow. You know, so she doesn't have very many songs, though. 
you know, that are super popular. So that's what we were joking about last night is she played her entire Golden Hour album last night. And we were like, well, we know she's not going to come out with a an encore because the encore would literally have to be the Christmas album. So I was like, I was like, I don't even give a fuck. Like, play Wish Me, Wish Me a Merry Christmas right now. I'll stay. I don't care. But no, it was uh, it was delightful. Let me put it that way. Delightful. It looks great. There were a lot of other people, actually, that I saw were in attendance. I also really thoroughly enjoyed your outfit. So you had the... Uh, you had the Air Max socks on, or whatever they were. The Nike Elite song. Yeah, socks. Yeah, the Nike Elites, thank you. Under my with, cowboy boots. Under the cowboy boots. That's As right. I put it on my Instagram story, I said in case... Well, I actually put the PG version on my Insta story. What I really meant by that was Nike Elites with cowboy boots, in case anyone want to fuck around and get dunked on here at the Casey Musgraves concert tonight. And uh, come to find out, nobody wanted to fuck around and get dunked on at the Casey Musgraves concert. So, well, but I was prepped though. Blast. I was prepped. Yeah, I was yeah. prepped. I mean, you can two-step, hit a J, hit a J if you need to as well. But Casey Musgraves also, it would appear, to all my Phoenix friends, even brought out the prisoners, right? So I'm seeing on these highway signs that there's a like two prisoners that escape. Yeah, in a red GMC truck. Yes. Uh, they're still on. The I loose? can't remember the license plate. I don't know. You know, they got to be gone, right? Like, why would they hang out here? <laughs> I mean, they might Every, have been amongst you last night, too. Everyone been looking for them. Is that why they broke out of jail? To they busted Casey loose Musker? to see Casey Musgraves, yes. You know, night before was the Rolling Stones. They could have done a little twofer, bust out for Rolling Stones, hit Casey Musgraves uh, rolling down the 10 through downtown Phoenix, and then headed off. I'm sure they're headed to El Paso. Let's be honest with ourselves. Like, that's a 98% sure they headed to Nogales or El Paso. I feel safe. I'm not worried, personally. Just keep your eyes peeled. That's all, that's all I'll ask of you. Uh, that being said, I'm going to do a little magic trick for you right now, okay? Within the next 15 to 20 seconds, I'm going to make you say nice, okay? Okay. And here's how I'm going to do that. By telling you that there are officially 69 days left until the college basketball season starts. That's your cue. All right. All right. Nice. Nice. I, there's, a, nice. there's no other way to, to, to respond to that. <laughs> okay. Here's a question for you, though. Who's the first game of the season? We're 69 days away. I have no idea. I feel like Rothstein would know that off the top of his head. He would. He, I mean, obviously, I, I found out that we were 69 days away via Rothstein. And of I was course. thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? Someone should have told that to Gronk yesterday because he was so sad <laughs> seeing him in such an emotional state talking about his – physical health, his mental health. Someone should have been like, hey, Rob, look, man, I, I know you're going through it right now, but tomorrow there are only 69 days left until college basketball season. And that would have cheered him right up. How many University of Arizona games does basketball games does Rob Gronkowski attend this year now that he has nothing to do? That's a great question. Do, we, do we at 30 years old, well, 29 years old, do we go to a season's pool party in Tucson, Arizona to see if Rob Gronkowski is there? I mean, he's he's going to be doing exactly what he did pre-NFL. I mean, obviously, he had, he had a collegiate football regimen that he had to follow, but it wasn't as stringent as what Bill Belichick was putting him through. Or actually, probably what Tom was putting him through. 
I mean, that being said, it does take a lot of uh, physical and mental wherewithal to literally drink like an entire handle of vodka on an, almost a daily basis and still perform at a borderline all-American level. That's with a, impressive. With a fucked up back. That's impressive to me. So, I agree. Well, speaking of college, getting back to school, now is the time kids are going, going back, moving into their dorms, whether it be obviously in college, but also going back to school, high school, middle school. Ravel tweeted out something. I mean, it was actually pretty good. It was very heartfelt, but Ravel tweeted out tips for each level, right? So tips for someone entering kindergarten. I don't know why they would need tips. Just put blocks on top of each And other. why are they on Twitter? Really? Uh, yeah, also true. I mean, I'm assuming that's for the parents, but yeah, I, I agree. So, but tips for middle schoolers, high schoolers, and then all the way up to college. And then there was a thread going around a couple of weeks ago saying, what are some of the best tips that you would give incoming freshmen to college? And not unexpectedly, there were a lot of very lame and by the books, by the rules responses, like go to class, even if you're hungover as fuck. Like, Maybe uh, the the one the the very the very good one that I liked was don't schedule eight a.m.s nine a.m.s even if you think you're like Superman. That right. was so true. I had a Monday through Thursday freshman year at eight Monday through Thursday Done. eight a.m. That is a super rookie mistake right there. I mean, I literally was a rookie. Honestly, and I'm going to be I mean this in the nicest way possible. That is so Indian incoming college freshman of you. Yeah, it is. It, it, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna say, call a spade a spade here in that situation, and and that's what it is. I did not have 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday classes my freshman year, yeah. though. Although I may have done, should have done that because that may have set me on the right path that would have maybe gotten me done in less than like 60 percent of a decade. <laughs> well, throwing throwing that out there. Yeah. Well, the good part is, is that obviously I, I didn't go to every single one of those classes i missed quite a bit <laughs> oh but, i know that yeah I, I know that yeah you're you were there probably the night previous but <laughs> you know the the teacher allowed me to make up some of those classes or uh, i don't know at some point i was able to make them up but that it got us thinking like what are some of the what are some of the best pieces of advice that you can give incoming freshmen and so obviously this being college basketball show we wanted to narrow that down even further Taylor, this is our this week's starting five. What are some of the best pieces of advice that we can give incoming college freshman basketball players? So, so what we'll do, we'll go okay, tit go for tat yet again. Tat, we'll start yeah. with you. What's your what's your first guy? So mine isn't any particular order of importance, though I will start off with this one just because it was the first thing that comes to mind, and I think you and I talk about this a lot. And that is, you think you're a stud. Every incoming freshman thinks they're the man and that they're going to be a one and done and go to the league. So my first piece of advice would be if you're not, uh, if you're not a lotto pick at the end of this year, milk it, stay. This is the, the, you're never going to be, even in the NBA, you're never going to be more highly regarded than you are as a basketball player on a, at a big school on a college campus. You're a foot and a half taller than every sorority chick. So they all stare at you walking across campus. You are just the big man on campus all year. And unless you can guarantee yourself 
that at the end of this year, you're going to be making whatever, a $30 million signing bonus. Cause that's just whatever. That's obviously you got to go and do that, but just be prepared to just milk the shit out of your college experience because you are going to have even, I think basketball probably more than every other sport just because football, you just get beat to shit for the whole year. Basketball, you're never going to have a better college experience than being the big man basketball player on campus. So don't, don't leave earlier than you have to. And that's some, coming from a guy who certainly didn't leave earlier than he had to. But you're never going to have a better time than you are now because even when you get to the NBA, you got bills, you got people who want you know, things from you, a, a classic mo money, mo problem situation. College, you're the superstar that has no, uh, no responsibilities, and you're on national TV every day, TV every day, and everyone knows you and loves you. So, don't leave too early. Plan on staying for longer than is necessary, unless you are a guaranteed like top five draft pick. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to note also, and I, I see where you're coming from. It's for this special niche type of player i'm thinking about like a middle-class white guy right you look at a guy like kyle guy okay (laughs) he wasn't he wasn't going to be a lottery pick after his freshman year but Mm -hmm. he was also a mcdonald's Mm all-american so that i mean he very well could have been incredibly confident he stayed until his junior year won a national title Mm -hmm. probably had the time of his life at uva easily now the he's a uva legend right anytime he goes back to charlottesville he can do whatever the fuck he wants so I'm thinking of a guy like Kyle Guy, who is probably pretty well off uh, economically, right, with his family, who has a great deal amount of skill. He did get drafted. Remember that. But, yeah. right, you know, he was also a McDonald's All-American. He might have even actually hurt his draft stock by staying as long, but he was never going to be uh, a lottery pick type of talent. Well, and that's the thing. And, and th- this is the only one of my five piece of it, pieces of advice that applies to, like, five-star recruits. All the other things I have apply to like the everyman, but we can name probably a lot more four year, three and four year players that were were surprised worked out in the NBA than um, people who we knew left too early that didn't work out in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's because we don't even think of those people because they a weren't in college for long enough for us to remember them unless you're like a diehard college basketball fan and B they never made it in the league because they, they weren't good enough, but they left early, didn't get drafted or not even didn't get drafted in the first round, never played an NBA game when they could have literally been just like the biggest stud on campus doing whatever they want to for a year or two longer and becoming a pro athlete when you're 21 instead of 20 or 19, you know, so this is the only piece of advice, like I said, that applies to the people that would even have that opportunity but, you know, don't waste the opportunity you have in front of you. Understand that the college experience for an athlete is an incredibly different experience than every other person on campus. I would say also this goes for people that are just well-known within their college towns. You may not even be well-known nationally, right? So there's players that are well-known nationally that we know aren't going to be that good in the NBA. Tyler Hansborough was one of those guys, right? There's there's a ton of players like Frank Mason. Frank Mason was one of those guys for Kansas. And I, I feel like I feel like anymore. this example is every single white West Virginia player ever. Up, this applies to. 
Except for Joe Alexander. Joe Alexander okay. went yeah. like eight But like stud in West Virginia. Nobody yeah. else really cares about him. Yeah. Right. Or like right. Lansing, right? Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. Deontay sure. Davis. Deontay Davis yeah. is a perfect fucking example. He was a freshman yeah. and everyone was like, why are you leaving, dude? You can see, <laughs> you're going to be a starter next year, right? right. Deontay Davis is one in Lansing. You got, you got, uh, who am I thinking? Brandon Will, not Brandon Williams, excuse me. Uh, I always think of I, I always Arizona. Think of Daniel- just now. Oh, Brandon Randolph. Randolph. Brandon Randolph. Thank you. Yeah. I always think of Daniel Orton as a phenomenal example of this. Daniel Orton. These are actually all, this is, these are great names for me to use in my intros. He's my poster child for this example is, is he averaged three points a game in college and was at Kentucky of all places. And if he would have just stayed one more year, he would have been a starter. He would have been a stud. And everybody on campus would have known him, not only because of his basketball stature, just his stature in general, because he was seven, hey, feet, like seven tall. feet. Yeah. Right. So I mean, like, you're literally missing out on the ultimate opportunity to be the man on campus. You're seven foot tall, you go to Kentucky, you play basketball, and you could have been a you could have been drafted, but you decided to stay, so everybody talked about you for the whole year. That is the exact example that you stay and don't waste this opportunity. Well to stay. That that right there, that Daniel Orton is the prime example of peer pressure. Teachers in middle school shouldn't be using those outdated <laughs> dare uh, movies or any of those like terribly drawn cartoon movies about like, hey, you want some free drugs? Like, no, no, no. Don't use those as an example of peer pressure. Daniel Orton's peer pressure was peer pressured because oh, he was yeah. on a team with John Wall and like Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Patterson, Demarcus Cousins. All these studs that were going like top twelve, and Daniel Orton went late first round. Was Deron Lamb on that team too, or was he later? L- Lamb even I think he stayed for. I mean, he was like an old geezer there. He was a sophomore. Wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he may have been. He Something may have like been. that. Here's a question for you. Speaking of that example, how many times in middle school did you get offered drugs? Uh, not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, these are like <laughs> not. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah these are uh, such outdated. Like, here, if you want to make millions, though, Sonny, don't be a Daniel Orton. Don't be a drug guy. Whatever. Do whatever with drugs. But just don't be a Daniel Orton. You're so right with that example. Agreed. All right. What's your next one? So my next one is um, embrace the school that you're going to. Know the fight song. Hate your rival. Understand the traditions. All of those things, because the people who do that, even the one and dones who do that, are looked upon as amazing individuals when they leave. You know, they're in the rafters. They are, even if they didn't, you didn't win a final, you know, go to a final four, didn't win a championship, whatever. If you embraced everything, if you continue to come back, all of that stuff, you are just looked upon as, as, as an amazing individual. Where there are some people who even as they stay for four years, do not embrace their school and have no relationship with their school after. And that starts at the beginning. Know the fight song. Hate your rival. Know the traditions. Like, go to the homecoming bullshit. You know, be on the float if you get the out. Whatever. Because then your fan base, even if the one fan sees you one time doing something like singing the fight song or or doing whatever... They're going to remember that forever, and they're going to love you forever. So you have, like, a free hall pass for the rest of your life to do whatever you want on, on campus, whether you were even in the NBA or whatever. I mean, I think of, think of someone like a walk-on, like David Baga. 
David Baggett U of A, like people still know who that is because he embraced the role. He embraced the school. He knew how to play to the fans. But people don't give a shit about like, I bet you David Baggett is more highly regarded than Jared Bayless, who's a fucking NBA player at U of A, right? And I know I not to get over U of A centric, but that's just the best example that I have because obviously that's where we went to school. But uh, I hate to say, but like Aaron Kraft, Aaron Kraft will be forever loved by Ohio State because yeah. he was Ohio State. Didn't really make, didn't make it in the league. He's going to play in Europe, whatever. But Aaron Kraft will never pay for another beer in Columbus, Ohio again. So be that guy. Be, like, just know everything about the school that you can. You know, you don't have to give the tours, but, like, know the fight song. Hate. Post on Instagram how much you hate your rival. Like, tweet about it every year for the rest of your life. Those people get loved by the fan base of the alumni for their like, rest of their life. No, I like that. The first thing that came came to mind for me was Anthony Davis when he was yeah. a freshman, and they asked him about I don't know Adolph Rupp, or they asked him about something, someone in Kentucky lore. Maybe it was even Tubby Smith, but only like Anthony Davis level of talent can get away with him being like, oh, I don't know, right? Oh, so, I, I, and, and I Anthony hate Davis that person. No idea. No, I, yeah. I mean. It was a bit off-putting, obviously, but Anthony Davis right. was one of the best college basketball players of the past decade and right. obviously one of the top five players in the NBA right now. So if you have that level of talent, right, so it, it takes that level of talent to completely erase not knowing your school's history, right. especially right. a school like Kentucky, right? Especially a right. school that has quite arguably the most history in, in the entire sport. Well, and you literally only have to know like five people in history. I'm not saying you literally have to read the history books about, like, who invented basketball and shit like that. I'm saying just know, like, who is above you in the arena you play and practice in every day. Yeah, just drop a name, right? Right. And, and you, you just have any other answer than I don't know. <laughs> Be right? somewhat prepared. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're there in the gym every day. There are literally rafters on the wall or uh, uh, banners on the wall of when you won a national championship. Cool. Quick, quick Wikipedia search. Maybe just find like the best three players, the best player from each team. Be like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to be a Nazi Muhammad type of impact here. You never have to say anything again, and people will be like, oh yeah, next big, big, next big, I mean, big man in Kentucky. You know, Nazi Muhammad yeah. would be an actually incredibly deep cut. It's not a deep cut for guys like us who watch college basketball as much as we can. But to right. your point about Wikipedia and stuff, you don't even need to do that. Right. And they, there are they are on the wall. Literally, when you walk from the locker room in almost every building, right, the pregame shot before any big time game, they go along the walls of the arena and there's famous faces. Right. At, at Florida, it'll be Yo Kim Noah and, and Al Horford, Georgetown. It's like Patrick Ewing and Allen Iverson and, and Alonzo Mourning. Right. So you can literally just look at the walls. But to take it a further step. Any coach worth their salt is going to bring in alums to talk to you. Right. So, like, you're going to literally see them face-to-face. In a lot of times, you are probably going to be friends with them. Like, yeah. within well, a matter of the first couple some of weeks. Them so, just are a literally just remember some of your friends' names. It's a part of the recruiting process in a lot of ways. Like, you should know that this school – like, if you know that this school had X amount of NBA players – you should at least know who some of those NBA players were. You shouldn't be at the school and be like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. He went to school here. When his picture is probably like right here on the wall next to you, his banners above you, 
his retired jersey is over here. Just like, uh, it's, this is such a millennial thing, I must say. Take a look around. You know, like all the answers are right there in front of you. Okay. You know, it's, it's in the locker room. It's on the walls. It's in the rafters. All the information you need to really know to just get it, for the fan base to fall in love with you is right in front of you. Wow. Taylor Gottlieb. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's not go that far. You got a three. All right, so I'm going to skip what I had at three because it kind of follows the same way. So let's skip down to four and we'll roll back to three. So this is not meant to be a shut up and dribble response, but it kind of is. And that's just shut the fuck up and don't fuck up. Like, I mean, like, don't tweet some dumb shit during the year. Don't, don't like punch a girl at a party like just don't you you have again you this is the biggest opportunity you'll ever have in your whole maybe your whole life you know there's really no reason for you to do dumb shit because you have managers who will come pick you up you have coaches who will do whatever for you 24 7 you have a whole fan base for the most part that will literally cover for you you have a lot of police forces in small college towns that will cover for you if the infraction is minor enough drinking what you know whatever getting in a small scuffle whatever so don't be obviously dumb right like and that's kind of goes it's not it not directly with what you just suggested was saying like no know your surroundings you know but like don't make people hate you for no reason and i'm not saying that you can't have opinions and you can't go do things and whatever but just you just don't mess up because this is like the ultimate opportunity that you have. And, I, and I've said it before, and you and I have both said it before, and I'll say it a thousand times. It's like athletes are so dumb sometimes in these situations where they have no understanding of where they're at, how lucky they are in this particular – they may have not got lucky in their life, their social, social economic life before right. school. And so I understand that there's some issues that come along with that. But right now – as the star player at the University of Kentucky or whatever, you're at the peak. So don't throw yourself off for no reason. Think, yeah, think twice, tweet once, maybe would be the advice. Yeah, it might be worth just saying, like, don't do anything illegal, right? Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, if, that's why. If, yeah, you're, yeah, tweet, if right. you're tweeting politics and stuff, that's obviously okay. Right. right. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, more sure. power to you. Sure. Do whatever you want. Sure. If someone persecutes you for that or hates you for that, then right. that person sucks. Like, don't worry about that person. But yeah, don't no need to be driving drunk, especially on a college campus. There's zero need for that. But no. yeah, no, no need for physical abuse on on anyone really. Guns, things like that. So yeah, yeah, no, just well, no, it's no, not. And I'm not even saying like. I'm not even saying like, like, don't tweet slurs yeah towards you know i mean like just keep just keep it straight and narrow at least in like your opinions you can have whatever opinions you want but just use the right terminology okay just have an understanding of what is offensive to other people and what isn't and don't tweet that stuff out on just whenever you feel like it you know so and then yeah don't do illegal stuff either because there's literally no reason for you to do illegal stuff you know, don't you don't have to be an Aaron Hernandez and kill people in college. You don't yeah. have to be a Josiah Turner and get two DUIs in like six months around campus. Literally pulled over a, a block within campus, his first DUI. 
or uh, well, I think he was just, was just really so high. he was really high during that yeah. one, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's all avoidable. You have free reign to do whatever you want. So like, just don't do anything dumb. So um, that being said, go out. Go to parties, like go to bars. You are the, you're never going to buy a drink. You're going to be just uh, swimming in it for, to not use too many derogatory terms there. Pussy. Uh, yeah, there you go. You literally have your pick of the litter when it comes to uh, girls, booze, parties, friends, whatever on campus. So, my fourth piece of advice would be like, if you sit at home and you don't take advantage of this, then what was the point, really? Especially if you're not a stud that's going to the NBA. You know, you, you, there's, you're still remembered as a basketball player on campus. And the girl that uh, didn't fall in line quick enough to hook up with Anthony Davis, probably still going to hook up with you too. So <laughs> don't, don't be a, a – What's the word I'm looking for? Um, an introvert as best you can. And I know that's a personality trait. And you can't necessarily control that. But near this is also the most popular you're ever going to be in your life. Take advantage of that. Go yeah. out. Because the alumni will be like, oh, my God. I remember when Kyle got when I beat Kyle Guy's ass at beer pong freshman year. Like, those are things that people will continue to talk about for, like, the rest of their life. You know? And embrace that so kind of like same thing with embrace tradition embrace the role that you have or the opportunity you have socially as being the big man on campus or one of the big men on campus yeah i definitely think this goes for more middle of the pack type of players like if zion sure. didn't want to go out to a bar i kind of get sure that. Right. right sure I, I and i see what you're saying if if even if a guy like jared culver and little ass lubbock texas didn't want to go out i kind of get right that. Because they might get mobbed. They got. They might get mobbed. Sure. Yeah. I get exactly. It. Right. But if if I'm, I don't know. If I'm like Kyle Aaron's at Michigan State, I'm going out and I'm having a good time, man. Like people obviously know him because he's what six eight, six nine, right? Whatever the hell he is, he's huge. He's clearly a basketball player, but he's not going to get mobbed like like maybe Miles Bridges would have, right? Like right. maybe Magic would have back in the day. So. I, I, I like that. Yeah. You, you have to be, you have to be social. You have to kind of keep up with appearances and not, not just to appease the fan base, but to take in that whole college experience. If you are going to stay for, uh, for, for right. well, a couple of years. And that kind of goes along with that first one that's saying that's like, that's part of this experience is go and do that. You know, I mean, we sat, I remember standing next to Solomon Hill and Derek Williams hammered at Highland Market to get a breakfast burrito. Two first-round draft picks. A lottery pick and a, and a still NBA player now. And I, to my point, I remember that vividly. I remember our friend Kyle talking about the, the Jordans that Solomon Hill had on that time. This is probably 10 years ago, nine years ago, right? It's a vivid memory that I have. So be that guy, I guess, is like just get out there and go do this type of stuff because – it makes a memorable experience for your fan base who's going to continue to remember that for probably the rest of their lives or at least, you know, uh, a period of time after that. But then it's also fun for you because you're not paying for anything. There's almost no repercussions as long as you don't do anything illegal yeah. or dumb. That stupid, like stupid, stupid, dumb. 
and everything's like great for you and you wake up the next day and it's all good and you do it all over again because you're the most popular person on campus exactly. of 40,000 of 40,000 people every single person on campus knows who you are in a good way so I'll take it away from the uh, the drinking and partying and pool party, whatever aspect to say, and this will be my kind of, I guess, only serious one, although I guess the embrace your school is kind of a serious one. Take advantage of the facilities, of the coaching, of the even the academic, even the tutoring, like all this type of stuff. You theoretically, if you had a big school, can get most of your classes and assignments done for you by like some dweeb tutor for the most part, you're only really taking like three classes during the season anyway, because you're there for summer school and, you know, for the most part, by the way, Mississippi state literally just yeah, got put on a three year probation. Yeah, that's what I was just about. Yeah, because uh, someone did all of their assignments. Which, I mean, North Carolina had fake classes and didn't even get in trouble, which is ridiculous, but you have, multi multi million tens of millions of dollars of facilities that are literally built for 12 players to work out of 15 if we're counting the walk-ons right like you have a an unbelievable opportunity to play in nba style and a lot of in a lot of cases depending on the school better than nba facilities and this kind of goes for nfl this would go for football players too or really any college athlete you have yeah, a whole world that's just tailored to U12. U12 people get this whole expansive arena and practice facility and workout room, and you literally have a tutor for each of you assigned, and you have coaches who used to be NBA players or college players who are only there specifically. Their entire job is just to make you better. So if you do stay in school because you weren't a lottery pick, you have free reign to do all of this stuff for free all day, every day. Your whole life can be going out to party, be big man on campus, then the whole next day learn how to be an NBA player. That's, those, are, those are your assignments. So, yeah. like, don't fail those assignments. <laughs> you can fail at becoming an NBA player, but don't fail on the, like, utilizing the facilities and stuff like that. I would even take it a step further and make sure you cop all the – latest and precious gear like jackets oh, yeah socks yeah. i think they already do that pretty much at this point but just make sure you do right if, yeah. and that might be a tough thing to do at oregon where they probably give you something it's almost every impossible half hour. right yeah right they probably just force feed that shit down your mouth you probably but, forgot you forget to grab it all from your locker every year right yeah absolutely but all of the sick stuff that we probably buy for 60 to 80 bucks that you get for free uh, definitely take advantage of those and wear that stuff around I would never I wear like civilian clothes if I was an athlete. By the way, no, it'd be slides. It'd be slides. It'd be slides like uh, new Nike basketball socks, and then whatever. Yeah. yeah, right, right, whatever shit they gave me that day. I'd have such a comfortable rotation. Yeah, right. I mean, that's like what I wear every morning to Starbucks anyway. Already, and I had to pay for all of it. That's so, what I'm saying. That's the, yeah, that's the right. downside. So I'm obviously going to wear it. But if right. there's something that is just slightly more comfortable than the other one. I'm probably going to get rid of the other one or just wear it around the house. Perfect. Perfect. So that's my five. That's, uh, I think, real sound advice, personally. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't fuck up. 
Uh, embrace your role as the big man on campus. Embrace your school's traditions. Stay, don't leave earlier than you have to and take advantage of the facilities and the coaching that you have available. I like that starting five. You definitely went a little more serious route than I did. So I'm a little tongue you know, you know, honestly, that's I, not a critique. I, no, I'm, I know. I just, I, I, I didn't know how I, well, I mean, whatever. Uh, I guess if saying that, uh, go out and swim in pussies too serious for you, Subi, then I guess that's just how it has to be. You know? True. So true. <laughs> All right. Well, let so, me hear it. What, what do you got going for me here? Then Starting five, first and foremost, I think this should be for every single incoming freshman who's going to be an athlete. Delete your Twitter. Okay. The reason I yeah. say that All right. is because no matter who you are, if you're a division one basketball player, delete your Twitter and maybe get a burner. Or just delete it but before or at the time that you're getting heavily recruited. Because nobody knew who Dante DiVincenzo was. And he was a supernova. That is a pun. But he was a fucking wow. supernova in, uh, in the Final Four. He was Final Four MOP. I mean, I, I shouldn't say nobody knew who Dante DiVincenzo was. He was called the Michael Jordan of Delaware. But still, <laughs> right? Like, he, he went nuts. And the second that happens, the second you have a big game or the second that you have a huge moment in a huge spot, people are going to dig up your Twitter to see if there's any pr- problematic tweets. Dante, I think, was quoting songs. And yes. that was using yes. the N-word. Yes. So, I mean, no matter your opinion on it, it's just not the greatest look. Fresh crack through, following his own advice. Good things. But <laughs> delete your Twitter. Or delete, delete any problematic social media because – it's going to get dug up. And like you had said, obviously, if you're Zion or something, that might be going through your head more so. But you have no idea the type of glow up you're about to have. Right. Well, so. and, and you don't have to, like you just said with DiVincenzo, uh, you could say great, Grayson Allen what might be an example. Not that from his Twitter uh, history, because I don't think he had a bit bad Twitter history. But not a lot of people outside of like the Duke fan base knew who Grayson Allen was before that national championship game. And then literally yeah. every single person in the country knew him afterwards. So you don't know when your time is going to come, whatever. And really, this is great advice for literally just anybody, yes. honestly. Also is true. Just actually, this is a public service announcement. Sorry not to hijack your moment. No, go ahead. Public service announcement. If you type into your twi- the Twitter search bar at your Twitter name and then space on any word that could be in there, mm-hmm. any word – it will go back and find all of the times you may have tweeted that word. Just a thought for that, anybody yeah. out there that may or may not ever do anything with their lives. Well, uh, and and I'm not saying, and even if your Twitter is private, there's, if someone retweeted you 30, yeah. 10 years ago when you weren't private because that wasn't even a thing. Screenshots. Like, you know, just, just, you can search for anything you've ever said. And I do this probably quarterly. Just to make sure I didn't miss anything, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because Sometimes when, you, I, when I'm running for office, never, or when I win the lottery, never, or any of these things that might make me even a little bit known outside of uh, East Crestwood Way here in Scottsdale, Arizona, it would probably be important to take that off your Twitter. Even well, if it was whatever it was. I, I'm not saying I tweet offensive things by any means, but I'm saying that maybe 10, 12 years ago, there was something that could be construed as offensive and you probably today, don't need that yeah. out there. Right. No, there's, I mean, th- that's the other thing. It's, it's that it probably wasn't offensive or considered offensive 10 years ago, but today it absolutely would be. 
right? So absolutely just delete your Twitter or yeah. get a burner if you're an incoming freshman, especially maybe, if you're, you know you're going to be good. Maybe 10 years ago I got a paycheck at, while I was working construction in Alaska and I tweeted something like, fuck bitches, get money. You know, could be yeah. offensive here today. You know, let's, and that may not be a tweet that still uh, remains on my account as we speak. Well, so. the, yeah, like you had mentioned, I mean, you don't know when your glow up might be. You don't know if something's going to happen to you, like winning the <laughs> yeah, lottery. Right. That, that's right. going to take away from your shine. And there's, make no mistake about it. As much as DiVincenzo wants to say that it was the apex of his career, and it definitely was, right. that definitely took away his shine a little bit because I think he had to come out and apologize. Mm-hmm. Every single time, these people do have to come out and say, I'm sorry about these problematic tweets. So yep. just clean yourself of Lo- your Twitter. Love that one. Love that one. All right, number two. This is going to be a reference to He Got Game. If you haven't seen He Got Game, actually pause this right now. Go watch <laughs> He Got Game. The best basketball movie of all time. Ray and Allen. We'll, and Denzel. we'll see in two hours. Yeah, that's fine. But I, I, that's another PSA. Go watch He Got Game. But number two, make sure your recruiting trips are just like Jesus Shuffles. Uh, all right. Yes. Now, this is going to be a spoiler. So I hope by the time that you have resumed this episode that you've already watched he got game just now but what happens in jesus shuttlesworth's recruiting trip to tech U, which is just such an absurd school name but what happens in his recruiting trip is stuff of legends first and foremost rick fox who's supposed to be this stud player on tech U, is showing him around okay so going hand in hand with knowing the history and things like that you already you already have a player a current player that you can use when someone asks, like, oh, who are you trying to be? Or your game, who do you model your game after? Right? So he has, Jesus Shuttlesworth has Rick Fox showing him and touring him around campus. Uh, and basically, he just is just introduced to all these bad, bad, bad women. <laughs> right? Just these <laughs> naughty, naughty women, right, on campus. He's getting free food. He gets, he gets an intro like R.J. Barrett. Does anyone remember that R.J. Barrett video when he entered MSG? Madison, him, yeah, just yeah. yeah, it was him walking out of the tunnel and they said, at guard from Duke, R.J. Barrett. That's what they did for Jesus Shuttlesworth. Make sure if you're the number one recruit in the country or a top five recruit and you know these teams want you badly, make sure they line that shit up because you want to have a nice – what's it going to feel like during game day, right? How's my intro going to be? Or the night of game day. With the, the night bad, of, bad, yes. bad, 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 yeah, right. Exactly, <laughs> yes. I'm getting to that still. Skip. So Shuttlesworth has a, uh, has a teammate take him around campus, show him the ropes. He then goes into the, the gym, and they have, like, a custom jersey for him. They have the PA announcers saying his name. They have a completely over-the-top like video tribute to him as if there's not other four players that, that need to be introduced. It's just fucking Shuttlesworth on the, on the Jumbotron. So make sure you have that. And then last but not least to cap it all off, have a threesome. If he got game, <laughs> Jesus Shuttlesworth had a ridiculous threesome in a dormitory. So as an incoming freshman, when you're on your recruiting trip, make sure you hit those, th- th- that trifecta. Okay. So hang out with a current player. Okay. Go get uh, a custom jersey and it basically just get the game day feel when you're in the when you're in the stadium. Have a threesome. All right. So I have if I may, I have a lot of questions for you. I'm supportive. I'm supportive of all of these because I would 
I would completely agree with that. Okay, so number one, it's going to be a yes or no question. Is a Jesus Shuttlesworth jersey a top five beach slash music festival jersey of all time? Yes, I think so. Because okay. it's, I, I still don't think it's like mainstream enough. Right, it's like still perfectly in line. Okay, perfect, good. I'm going to put you on the spot for this one, and I'm, I, I hate to do this. This is almost like a, a top five inception. What are your top five? Okay, so let's say that you're going to commit top four. Okay, you're, com, you're committing to Duke or Kentucky. You're committing to one of the best basketball schools in the country, only for basketball. What are your other four schools you're going to go to? Like, you already know you're committing to Duke. Okay. What are your four school? You're allowed to take five. For those who don't know, you're allowed to take five official visits. What are your other four schools, top of your head, where you're going to be able to go to and have these things happen for you? All of these things happen for you. That's a very good question. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know why the first thing that comes to mind is Baylor because they're just rampant with wow, just Baylor. lack of institutional control. Like, I don't know. Yeah, if they're like this, the, the Harvard of Texas. But yeah, okay. All right, cool, um, cool. What else? Uh, I would, I mean, where are the t- schools that'll just treat you like an absolute god? It wouldn't be Duke. Duke would be probably the lamest. Well, you're I know, committing, I know, I know, you're I know. playing at Duke. I, right. I'm just saying, I, I'm just taking another shot at Duke because the, they'd probably be the lamest recruiting trip. Uh, Louisville, actually. I'm pretty sure that's what they did with <laughs> for your For your post Patino. Yeah, maybe post it today in today's age, probably not because they're probably very vigilant for it. But three to four years ago, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they did. Patino implemented the Jesus Shuttlesworth recruiting trip. Right, right. Okay. So that's Fine. number two. Make sure your recruiting trip follows the exact same playbook as Mr. Shuttlesworth at Tech U. Number three, make sure you dazzle. Make sure you put on an absolute show at Midnight Madness. Ah, uh, yes. So Midnight Madness uh, is one of the most underrated parts of the season, I think, for all schools because a it's sports, pretty much a sports. sports. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's it takes place obviously at midnight, but everyone's jacked up. People make an absolute show out of it. it is legitimate theater, right? I think Tom Izzo comes out on a motorcycle sometimes, oh, and yeah. or a little like car. I don't know. He does something, but. <laughs> Uh, people, people may, it, it's, it's really theatrical. It really is. And so there's a, obviously a dunk contest. There's uh, maybe a scrimmage, but there's just a lot of events that happen during midnight madness. So if you're an incoming freshman, especially with a lot of hype, I know for a fact, dunk contests happen during midnight madness, save something for midnight madness, practice mm-hmm. it. Obviously don't try and get yourself injured, but go above and beyond because that is the ultimate way or that's the first taste that your fans are going to get you uh, or get behind you in some sort of game action or that that'll see you on a court and they'll say, Holy shit, look at what this guy's capable of doing. So make sure you put on a performance at midnight madness. And if not putting on a performance, just don't like, don't be lame. Don't be a scrub. Don't go, don't miss four dunks in a row. Okay. Just make sure you have something that's pretty cool that you can, you can, you can get done. Uh, I would also say it doesn't even have to be athletically because Chase Jeter, when he was at Duke, literally just flipped a water bottle and the place went bananas. Obviously, that was a hot trend during that time. But during Midnight Madness, Chase Jeter walked out, flipped a water bottle. It landed perfectly. And the place went crazy. I, I'd argue it still is a hot trend if you did that right now. Today. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's probably his lasting image at Duke. But 
regardless, make sure you do something cool at Midnight Madness. No, I think that's, yeah, no, uh, 100%. I won't name names, but I know there are a number of players that we were, when we watched, like, what we call the red-blue game, or everybody, you know, whatever everybody has is, oh, that guy's going to be a stud, and he, like, never played. So that's one way to get memorable, and I, I like that a lot. Coming in at number four, study up on 90s pop culture. <laughs> or whatever the generation or the decade was before you were born. The reason I say this is because for some god-awful reason, we're still asking the likes of Zion Williamson, who was born in like 99-2000, John Morant, RJ. We're asking all these guys, whoa, can you, can, can, can you finish this Tupac line? Can you finish this Biggie line? Like, no, dude, they can't. They clearly cannot. They were born long after them. I, I, I mean... Yeah, maybe I can I can recite a Michael Jackson line, but I'm not able to recite like an Allman Brothers line or like the, wow uh, wow and, and, you know <laughs> I, like they're asking what's y'all what's y'all Creedence Clearwater Revival looking ass okay yeah yeah like, it's it's just <laughs> I feel bad for kids that get subjected to this shit, but they do they, they like they ask them like so uh, R J who was uh, Bill Clinton's mistress in the White House when he got impeached. I mean, I don't know if he knows that or not, but study off on the 90s pop culture. I think it's stupid that reporters ask these questions or they ask him for these jumbotron timeouts to provide entertainment for the crowd. But just study up on 90s pop culture because you're probably going to get roasted on Twitter if you don't know uh, how to finish like a 50 cent line or something like that. So this is kind of a KYP situation. Or personal. Yeah, or KYF. No, your fans, I guess, understand that the people who are rooting for you are generally 97% yeah. older than you are. Sure, yeah. sure. Right, but okay. I would say just familiarize yourself a little bit with it, right. uh, yep. even no. though I think it's ridiculous that they're still being subjected to these questions. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you because I don't think – well, I mean, there's some music – well, it's interesting now that, you know, because Twitter is now like almost half a generation old, that everybody's so much more connected and knows more about maybe previous stuff than before. But yes, 100% with you that, it, like, yeah, uh, I understand, understand that I don't like we don't think of ourselves as old people because we're not old people. We're 29, 30 years old. But even we now look at these college kids as young kids. And so understand that even the guys who care a lot about college basketball who are not that far removed from your fanhood or from being fans of you uh, would like to connect with you in some way. Not that I'm offended. I don't give a shit if anybody right. knows anything no, about anything. But some I. people do. But some people do. But some people do. Some people get upset about that. But, like, yeah. if I go up to bully, Boogie Ellis and I'm like, you can't handle the truth and I don't get a reaction, <laughs> like, I shouldn't be surprised. Like, <laughs> Uh, it's just so, where are we drawing the line in our family? I feel like I draw the line at you should know, like, buy you a drink. That's where I'm drawing my line. I even think that might be a deep cut. Is it a deep cut? When was that, 2005, 6? Actually, that I might have been like I 2006, guess, 2007. I, nah. guess all, I guess all these guys were only like 6 or 7 at the time. Ooh, that's rough. Nobody was probably buying anybody a drink at, when they were 6. God, that, now that makes that makes their, me feel. Their parents, that makes that makes now. me feel. They're yeah. uh, they're they think deep cuts are like uh, shit. 
Kesha song at 11 years old. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, man. Um, Yep, no, I feel you, though. Have a little little knowledge of what came before you. Last Uh, but not least. From a pop culture standpoint, yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. Last but not least, come up with funny bench celebrations. Uh Man, wow, that's a great one. That's a great one. So maybe not if you're Zion, but I feel like – now bench celebrations are no longer in. I just don't see them anymore. Now, it's not like they just died out because they weren't cool. I think the incoming freshmen just stopped trying to do bench celebrations. I'm talking like Oklahoma, Fran Fraschilla's kid doing that crazy bench celebration. The the guitar kid, the guy from <laughs> Monmouth. Yeah, yes. you remember you remember yes. the guy from Monmouth. Yeah, the reason I'm bringing him up is shooting the, the arrow, shooting yeah. the arrow on the bench too. Yeah, oh man. Yeah. So I just feel like we've 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 run out of bench celebrations and I loved them. I thought they were so much fun because the three goggles and the three to the head, it, it's gotten played out. NBA players do it all the time. I just need some creativity from the bench because we see them in the background of these shots, right? If if James Wiseman or something hits a big time shot for Memphis, I need the eighth, ninth, and tenth players doing something coordinated, not just going crazy. Even if it's outdated, though, like I know you said the three goggles. I think the three goggles and the three to the head are timeless because I develop a bruise on my right temple start starting like the first of November that lasts all the way through uh, the first weekend in April every year. Do something, though. Do something. You can't do nothing. You can't do nothing. I'm cool with the three goggles on the bench. I just I'm saying yeah. I'm getting tired of the player himself doing it. Well, do you think it goes to a little bit about what I may have said in saying that understand that you're not necessarily a one and done and you can be right. the cool guy that isn't like you can embrace all of the this atmosphere and like just be like a fan favorite that doesn't necessarily like you, you're not going pro this year so just be like the guy that dances on the bench like yeah. the Danny dance Danny Green is still an NBA player yeah and that's awesome. An NBA champion, right. an NBA champion, and yeah. I still remember the Danny dance from North Carolina. Or, or even do something where it's like the the first basket made. You do like a you cross your legs or something like that. I remember that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like or well, a made free throw, two out of two. Do something like that. Bring it back. I may, if I may take it a step farther, maybe just come up with a celebration in general. Even if you are a star, I mean, the yeah. John Wall was literally a thing because and this goes back to your previous point because of his dance at midnight madness at kentucky you could really roll this on to one where it's come up with a dance and do it i mean make a basket do your little dance it's all it is i mean dikembe mutombo for example one of the it's not one of the greatest nba players of all time but he's probably more highly regarded than he should be just because of his finger wag finger wag he got a guy commercial out of it and it still gets done to this day. A big man blocks a shot, you get a finger wag. Yeah, so be memorable. Have a dance. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, there's a ton of those examples. And you are correct, though. I don't really remember a lot from the previous couple of years tournaments. I'm hoping it makes a comeback. So just to recap, this one's legitimately serious. Delete your Twitter. Uh, yes. Two, make sure your recruiting trip is just like Jesus Shuttlesworth. Three put on a show at Midnight Madness or study up on 90s pop culture or whatever the generation was prior to you. Five, come up with funny bench celebrations or just celebrations in general. 
Cool. You know, I, I feel like this isn't all that far outside of like what a freshman orientation is for I college agree. I agree. Maybe maybe take out like the swimming and pussy parts and things like that if you're doing mm, this on an yes. official on an official basis. But from a non-official basis, I don't think we're that far off from what uh, these coaches are telling these players to do. I'm with you, man. All right, let's get to our second segment here with some actual news. The Mountain West apparently is going to be the very first conference that will be using real-time analytics. So what this means is that they're going to be like coaches on coaches and players on an NFL sideline. They got the la- the iPads whipped out. They're going to have real-time shot charts, things like that. Uh, so it's going to be – it's funny because when I read this article, I said, wait, do they not already have that? And then I thought to myself, no, they clearly don't because every student manager and assistant coach still has those binders with paper, right? And they right. still run to the scorer's table to, to give the announcer their – shot chart, things of that nature. None of it is electronic. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see. I, and so my very first question is, and maybe you can help me out with this, why is the Mountain West getting to pilot this? Well, I, I guess, well, they only get to pilot it during their conference games. They don't get to pilot it during their non-conference games because it's a, it's a within the conference rule. And I guess, unbeknownst to me, they actually had tested this out during the Mountain West tournament last year, which is, unless I read that incorrectly. But what I don't, at first, I didn't have a problem with it. But now, having thought about it more, I I don't like it. I don't really love it. Um, Because I feel like not everything can be determined by uh, statistics, analytics, robotics even let's get into it like there's got to be the the uh best coaches in the world have the best feel for the game greg popovich steve kerr phil jackson whatever so on and so forth and that's such an important part of the game that in baseball for years we've argued about that is we're losing that right um alex cora last year had an incredible feel for the situations leading up to the world series that win that went against analytics sometimes. And that's what made him great. And it's what led uh, the, you know, part of the reason is what read the Red Sox, to the world series. And I feel like the more we overanalyze and I'm a big statistics guy, I love stats, but the more we overanalyze these things, the less uh, organic or natural the game is the rest, the less free flowing it is. And the thing that caught me in the article that I read about this is it said that um, they are going to be provided one of the stats. I guess there's no real, as far as I understood, there's no real limit on what stats can be provided. So one of the stats that is going to be provided is like a lineup lineup efficiency. Like what's your most efficient lineup today? Interesting. Yeah. And I I guess it's like a PER type of stat. I, I, I would guess, you know. And or plus minus, whatever you want to call it. I feel like it takes the it's almost like taking coaching out of the coach's hands. Like what well, every time out, just look at the iPad and see who should be in the game. I, I don't love that. I feel like there's a that's part of the natural free flowing part of the game is, you know what? This guy has gone 0 for 12 today, mm-hmm. but he's our stud or he he doesn't show up in the first you know whatever 35 minutes of the game but he's our stone cold killer 
And so what I hope is that we don't morph into uh, a place where it only becomes, oh, here are the five statistically best players that we have playing right now. And these are the five statistically best players we're going to have out here at times where, because then you would never get, you would never get like a Robert Ori hitting seven. I know that's an NBA reference, but like, Robert Ory is never one of like the four best players on any team he ever played on, but you'd never get those type of situations. And so having an understanding of that is very important. And I hope that this doesn't become a widespread issue where you just get like the most robotic uh, analytical or analytical studs on the team. And there's got to be a little bit more free flowing nature of the, of the game. Well, I think you also can just use the example from the national title game this past year between Virginia and Texas Tech. Jarrett Culver was awful in the first half. He was terrible. And then he came up big in the second half. Actually, on the flip side, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter was terrible in the first half, and he pretty much saved Virginia's title game. Kyle Guy won MOP, but DeAndre Hunter hits that three in the corner, man. And so I'm with you, right? And and that's why Tony Bennett and – uh, Chris Beard are two of the best in the game right now, for sure. They probably would throw that iPad to hell if they were like, yeah, if, if it right. told them, don't play Jarrett Culver and DeAndre Hunter in the second half of the national title game between the two guys that literally got them there for the right. most part. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm upset about it because I'm feeling now for the student managers that are uh, going to get run out of their job, man. They're getting fucking outsourced. Now, let me take you down a trip down memory lane. When I was a senior in high school and I failed AP physics, I was ineligible for the basketball season. So the only contribution I could make was literally on a Palm Pilot. I, I shit you not. Wow. It was, with, it was with the student manager. I would sit in the stands with the student manager and fill out, I don't know, some Palm Pilot. Uh, it's, probably, also, it's probably uh, why you're so uh, good at Twitter right now because you literally started quick with in the high fingers. school. Yeah, right. Quick exactly. with the fingers, yeah. But – I mean, what are those poor kids going to do? They're the ones that they're, they're the student managers that, you know, they, they have those big books on their laps and they're the ones that are going to try and mark down every single, like, they don't have any other responsibility. What are they going to do if, if the iPad's catching all this stuff? So that's why I'm against it. Just completely outsourcing the little guys, the ones that are down in the mud that, that, that don't get the love except from like Jay Billis. Right. No, I, 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 I'm totally with you. And it, it makes their job, it's outsourcing, but it also might make their job harder too, because there might be so many more stats that they have to now cover. What if the iPad's not charged? Yeah, yeah. True. Whose job is that? Yeah. What if, what if coach drops the iPad and it cracks on the floor? Where's the extra one? So, and you're on, and you're on the road. Who left it at the hotel room? So, someone did. That's what leads me to my next question. Who are some of the coaches that will like hate this, right? Because there are definitely those paranoid coaches. I'm thinking like Bob Huggins thinking to himself. Wow, that that was it was shut the fuck up. That was literally the first one I was about to say. Bob Huggins is not tucking an iPad in his windbreaker. No chance. Before again, no. I just Uh, I can't see him because you know you know, gosh, we watch way too much college basketball. But when they walk out. So let's say they call a timeout. They walk out onto the floor. Every single coach has their hand extended waiting for their clipboard to diagram some sort of play. I'm, I right. can't picture Bob Huggins extending his arm and then being handed an iPad. And he's like, what the hell is this? I mean, and so how, who's monitoring, though, you know, like what can be um, seen on an iPad? That would be another good question. You know, so what I if – I have no idea. Like, 
now instead of drawing up a play, do you just pull up your files of last second plays and then you go, oh, hey, guys, run this one, you know, and it and let's go further. And it's and it's animated and it shows you where everybody's supposed to go on the plate. And you might say, well, all oh, the Mountain West wouldn't ever allow that. But if you're telling me that someone can't sneak an iPad into somewhere that has altered in some way, shape, or form, like you're out of your mind. Someone can literally just bring it in and hand it to you. Who's going to know? So you, what, you have a, a compliance person that sits on each bench that makes sure each iPad. I, there's a lot that goes into this. And I understand the, um, the uh, benefit that technology gives us. But this seems more like a practice and bring it into yeah. play. Not a like real time game playing. type right. scenario. Yeah, and maybe we're yeah. reading too much into its capabilities. I don't know if it has all of that or like just strictly shot percentages. But I'm just trying to think of old time coaches that just hate technology whose brains would explode. Like uh, Beheim. Beheim's there's, probably there's no one. there's no chance Coach K is doing this. Uh, no. He'll have John. Who? Well, is it Shire or Paulus? That's one of his. It's Shire. Sons. Sure. Yeah, he'll have Shire be in charge of this. But uh, <laughs> let, let me see. I'm trying to think. Um, Mick Cronin will probably just throw it because he's just so upset all the time. He's going through 100 iPads this next season. So is Dan um, Hurley. Dan Hurley and Bobby Hurley. Both Hurleys. Oh, yeah. Both Hurleys. If, Bo, if Bo Ryan was still coaching, he'd be... Uh, could you imagine Bob Knight with an iPad? <laughs> imagine, imagine instead of throwing the chair, you replace it with an iPad. Every single person listening to this podcast has had to help their grandparents out with technology at some point or another. And could you imagine, like, I would, like every single day of your life, you have to teach Bob Knight how to use his iPad every day. Well, dude, and, and as a manager, even, as a manager, you know, let's not even take into the practicality of the situation, right? So, how many times have you had a sweaty thumb or drip sweat on your phone? You're in a huddle surrounded by these guys in a super hot gym that are just exercising like crazy for 40 minutes. There's, you're not even going to be able to like maneuver on the iPad. Yeah, and like I said, are they plugged in? Are we going to have the super long cords on the bench? What if this Wi-Fi? I can't get service in their arena, and I'm connected to the Wi-Fi. Is there going to be a specific coach's Wi-Fi network that, that this goes into? How many people are going to connect to it? Can we hack into it as the other team? We sound These like all, we sound like boomers right now, dude. I have such a, a tinfoil hat on right now about this. Yeah. Like, what if we just say, what if we, there's got to be a way. Like, if you're a, just a shitty state school and you're playing, like, some upper echelon, I, the Ivy League is going to dominate this if this becomes, because <laughs> they'll just yeah. hack into everybody else's shit and be like, hey, you know what? That white guy on the bench that hasn't played in four games, he's a stud. Get him in there. They're going to dominate this. Greg Gumbel on Selection Sunday. It's crazy. The The four number one overall seeds are Yale, Princeton, Harvard, and, well, Brown. Well, Brown. Yeah. There's Stanford. <laughs> uh, M- MIT is winning the national championship in four years. Get, mark my word. Caltech. I will, Caltech. Say, I will say, okay, so today is uh, August 28th. So this, it's August 29th for the people that will be listening to this tomorrow, I assume. 30th. 30th, excuse me. There will be an iPad connectivity uh, controversy 
okay. this next year in the Mountain West Conference. I'm, I'm calling that now. It's not worth anything. I'm, I, I don't think I'll get any prizes or points or anything like that. But there's going to be a connectivity issue where one of the coaches had connection and the other didn't. And it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to affect the outcome of the game. But the coach who lost will mention it in their press conference and say, whoa, what the fuck, guys? This, is, this isn't right. That's what I'm saying. That's my bold prediction for the Mountain. That's probably my only bold prediction for the Mountain West Conference. Well, that gives us a reason to watch the Mountain West Conference because I don't, I don't really know of any. Like, Nevada completely screwed me last year. So San Diego they're, State. All, they're all gone. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see. Let's wrap it up with some hugs. Who, who are you giving your hug to? So I'm giving a happy, wow, if I may do a Casey Musgraves reference to end the show as well. I'm giving a happy and sad at the same time reference or uh, hug to uh, a recruit named Dacian Nix. Uh, he just committed to UCLA, five-star point guard, born in my hometown of Fairbanks, Alaska, and also grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. And it's a happy hug because we don't have a ton of basketball studs from Alaska. We don't have a lot of athletic studs from Alaska in general. And so to see someone uh, that's a five-star that was recruited by literally every single program in the country, he went to high school in Nevada, uh, which is understandable because you're not playing, uh, you know, if you're playing Travis Church, shout out, in high school, you're not necessarily getting your NBA uh, skill level tested. So... I would. It's a happy hug because he is a five-star recruit from Fairbanks. That was born in Fairbanks, Alaska, heading to UCLA. The sad part is that he is headed to UCLA because Arizona was recruiting him pretty highly and wanted him. And I would have just loved for him to go to any school outside of my top two least favorite schools in the country, which are ASU and UCLA. So a little bit of a melancholy hug in the sense that he's going to the ultimate basketball rival of my uh, alma mater. So a hug for Deshaun Nix. Overall, mo- more happy than sad. More happy than sad. Pretty cool that uh, we get a five-star recruit born in little old Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah, no, it's good representation. The only Alaskan sports people that I can name off the top of my head, Kameka Hepa, who's currently at Texas, only because I was – obsessed with his story being from Barrow, Alaska. If you don't know yes. where that is, like just look it up on a map. It looks outrageous. Uh, that's not even throwing shade to Barrow because they have no. enough of it already. No. Hey, <laughs> I know you like that. Someone's well, warming up for college <laughs> basketball season right here. We must Honestly, <laughs> dude, the 69 thing just got me going. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then also Scott Gomez. I don't know why that's coming. Wow. Out. Yeah, dude. I, what, he played hockey for the Devils. Scotty right. Gomez and the Rangers. Anyone and the Rangers. Yeah. Like that? No Mario Chalmers reference. Come on. My, yeah. Sorry. I should have gone with, I was like, there's definitely a lot more. So, all right. Good for Knicks. Hug for Knicks. My hug is going to go to Michigan state. So all of last year, despite a ton of injuries, they made the final four. Now they are fully healthy. They're ready to rock. They're the clear number one going into next season as well. They should be. I don't think a lot of people are going to dispute their preseason ranking heading into the season with the likes of Kyle Aarons, Cassius Winston, who's their stud point stud. guard. He was amazing. Stud. Perfect college point guard. And then Aaron Henry. But lest we forget, they lost Josh Langford for the season last year. And had they had Langford, potentially would have been able to, to win the title last year. Uh, just uh, he's, he's a, he's a difference maker point blank period. And so, and they also they didn't have Aaron's last year during that run either. 
So now that everyone is healthy, those big four, right, Langford, Aarons, Winston, and Aaron Henry, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So hug for Michigan State, hug for Izzo. Hopefully they can all stay healthy because if they do, this might be one of those deals where maybe it's like a Carolina in 08, right? There's no point in predicting what's going to happen or who's going to be a champion, especially a number one overall seed like Michigan State. But if you rewind to 08 Carolina, preseason, everyone pretty much was like, that's the best team in the country. And they went wire to wire. I think they started the season and ended the season pretty much as the best team. And I just wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State does that this year. I mean, is there a better backcourt in college basketball than Michigan State? I think, no. I mean, they're campaigning. I mean, those are two, like, well, Cassius is already an All-American, second-team All-American. Langford could very well be an All-American as well. I, it would be really interesting to look and maybe, you know, for the viewers out there that would uh, that would could do some research, as I'll probably do after the show. I, how many times has there ever been a time where a dual backcourt in college basketball were both All-Americans, like first-team All-Americans? Because this is kind of at the level that they are they're at, really. Honestly, they're both that good. The names that are coming to mind in terms of teams that could challenge them, Kansas, obviously, Duke, and you know what? In terms of talent, Memphis is there as well. So, yes. And I this mean, is a Memphis oh, yeah. podcast. Got to, got to shout out the Memphis boys, actually. Jaron Jackson had some ridiculous off-balance, off-foot dunk in a workout today. I don't really get hyped about these closed workouts with the videos, but you should watch this. Jaron Jackson jumped off his right foot and did a reverse dunk with his left hand. It was really weird. <laughs> But, I missed that myself. So I'll I mean, that's, that right that. there is connecting my Michigan State talk with the Memphis Grizzlies. So. Right. You're right. And Blue Note of Memphis-based. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Might, <laughs> might have to get me some after this episode. Well, regardless, appreciate everyone listening. We will see you next time.